Try it on me. <laughs> We're on. Can you hear me? Can you hear me out here? All right, podcast is ready. Um, I titled this message today, Preparing for Heaven. Can you hear me over the speaker? Can you hear me over the speaker so the podcast works? They're saying I need to go up a little bit, Anthony. Give me a little bit of volume. A little bit of volume. Is that better? Is that better? There you go. Preparing for heaven. So Thursday I was in here and I was sitting right in the seat where Sister Miriam is sitting at. Everybody look at Sister Miriam. Say good morning. I was sitting in her seat and I was praying and I asked God to forgive me of my sin. I know that I mess up sometimes and, and, and we always have to come back to God and repent. And I was in that seat right there and I was asking God to forgive me of my sins. And I asked him just to wash me as white as snow. And forgive me and take, and take any sin that I have and take it out of my life completely and just purge anything out of me. Burn it out of me. If there's something that I'm doing that's not right by you, God, please purge it out of me. There's nothing more important to me than my relationship with God. So that's the prayer I was praying as I was sitting in Sister Miriam's seat. And God caused me to realize, the Spirit quickened me and caused me to realize that most of us here today are saved. Most of us that will be here on, on Sunday morning will be saved. Most of us have asked for forgiveness. We've all said that prayer. Please, Lord, wash me as white as snow, right? Live in my heart. Lead me and guide me. Amen. All these things we pray to God. But, but then he quickened me and said, but what about the change? What about the change? We came to God looking for a change, and he requires a change, but we don't really seem like we want change. This is the part where I figured it'd start to get quiet, right? We don't seem like we really want to have change. I want to let you know today that he had me anoint every seat that you're sitting in today. I anointed the altars. I anointed the altars. I anointed the microphones. I anointed the speakers. I anointed the sound system. I anointed, anointed the, the, the projector up here. All the instruments. We're praying for musicians to come into this church, right? I anointed the instruments. Even ones that people don't set at. I anointed the drums, the piano. When I got to the back door, though, he spoke to me something a little extra special. Everything that you touch in here, we anointed. We don't want any foul spirits running amok in this church, causing issues, and we have had lately, yeah. right? Some people sense there's some things going on here, and we have had lately. So I anointed the back door, and I anointed the door frame. Reminded me in the, in, in the Old Testament how they anointed the door frame. I anointed this door frame, and then I anointed the outside door handle. And I prayed that when you touch that outside door handle, you'll recognize and realize that you're coming into the holiest of holies. Amen. Right? Think about the Old Testament. This is, where we, this is where we come to meet God, right? This is where we come to have an encounter with Jesus Christ at the holiest of holies. What happened in the Old Testament, right? You either reverenced the holiest of holies or you died. You died. It was that serious. And I hope you recognize and you realize when you step into the house of God that you're in the holiest of holies. We need to leave some things outside. Or bring it better yet, bring them in and lay them down at the altar and leave them at the altar. Don't pick them up and take them back with you when you leave back out of here again. Are you following me? Yes. We're in the holiest of holies. We come here to have an encounter with God. I feel the spirit on me this morning. I feel like I'm growing hair. Must be the right message then, right? And you're still talking to me. Praise God. Praise God. We need to leave our junk outside, though. We need to be prayed up and prepared when we come to, when we come to church, right? Put sin out of our life. Not just leave it at the door and pick it back up when we go back out the door. I'm talking about putting it out of our life completely and totally. I'm talking about repenting. Ask God to wash us white as snow but then repent and turn because you're asking him to wash your white as snow for some reason you know that you've messed up i know that I'm, I'm not talking down to you i knew that i messed up that's why i had to pray that prayer to god and when you know that you messed up stop it stop dabbling in that thing stop messing around in those things because you cause things to come back on yourself 
Think about it. What the Bible says it said when you when the house was clean and not filled with something else, seven other spirits worse than that one came back on them again. Think about that. What are we inviting into our lives when we don't repent? We ask God to clean us up, white as snow, and He does, and He does. But when we don't fill it full of Him, when we don't work on being spiritually mature, when we're still dabbling in the sins, when we walk out of here and do the exact same thing we were doing before that we wanted change from. What do you think is going to happen? Spirits are going to plague us. Spirits are going to plague us. We're going to talk about this a little bit today. John, John uh, 16 and 8. I, I'm not, I don't have this on the, on the board, but, but write it down and look it up if you want to. John 16 and 8 says, uh, uh, I encourage you to look it up. The Holy Spirit says, it says the Holy Spirit came or not. He came to convict and convince the world. He came to convict and convince the world. That's how we know that we're doing something wrong anyway, right? So when he convicts us and we know that what we're doing is wrong, yet we still choose to dabble in it, yet we still choose to stay in it, wouldn't you think that would quench the spirit? Right? We say we want to have powerful, Holy Ghost-filled services. We say we want to see people healed, and we do see people healed. We do see the spirit show up. But the church of the day is almost like a little touchy-feely that's good enough. We're good with that. We've settled right there. And we think that's good enough. Let me tell you today, church, that's not good enough. That's not good enough for me. I want more than that. I want to go further than that with God. And I would hope that you all want to go further than that with God, too. We need to go further than that with God. I had a dream this week. I don't ever want to be guilty of quenching the Spirit. And I would hope that you would do That's another reason that's important to be prayed up when you come to church. Ask God for forgiveness before you come here. Ask him to purge those things out of your life. He'll take those. You can't clean yourself up anyway. And I'm not saying to stay out of church if you got sin on you. I'm saying bring your sin into the church and put it down. Ask God for forgiveness and then turn away from that sin and leave it right there at the altar. Sacrifice it to God. God will burn that sin right up. He'll destroy that sin. He'll break chains off your life. He'll crush addiction. He will today, right here, if you'll give it to him, if you'll allow him to do it. I had a dream on Thursday morning before I was over here praying, um, and, and the Spirit revealed to me. I have a, I, the Spirit reveals a lot of things to me in dreams, but the Spirit revealed to me that the church is under attack because we're dabbling. That's exactly where we're at. The church is under attack. My marriage has been under attack. Mine's not the only marriage that's under attack. Marriages, plural, are under attack. Households are under attack, Sister Mary. Our households are under attack because we haven't repented. Because we haven't turned completely to God. We're bringing those spirits back on ourselves. Now you think about this. If we weren't dabbling in those things, we have authority over what? Everything with a name, right? Some of you Bible scholars know we have authority over everything with a name. That means we speak, they respond. We tell them, get out, they go. Bam, like that, seconds. It takes seconds to rebuke a foul spirit and get him out of here. But when we dabble in it and we keep going back to that thing where we, where we met that foul spirit at, guess what? It continues to come back on us and it brings more worse than it was. Who's bringing this on the church? Us. We are. I'm not saying to stay away from the church today. I'm saying, church, it's time to repent. It's time to get it right. It's time to lay some things down. It's time to turn away from some things. It's time to get it right. Come back and love on God. He'd love to have every one of us turn to him today. He would love to. So <clears throat> the spirit in this dream, whether uh, uh, 
the spirit in this dream, and, 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 and then I was in here praying, the spirit quickened me in this dream and told me this, and I was praying in Sister Miriam's chair, and he told me he requires change, and, and then when I walked, I, was, I started walking around the church, the first thing I did when I was sitting back in that chair, I looked up here about where I sat at, and I saw a metallic covered bag, or a metallic colored, I mean to say, bag, like, a, like an aluminum kind of plasticky kind of bag, you know what I'm talking about, it was full of crackers, had crackers in it, was laying on the floor, and I noticed this. And then I walk back, and I remember the cups that sit back there sometimes, and, and the things that people leave on the tables, and we throw those cups away after every service. Now, we're talking about adults here, right? This crackers were probably my kids, and I'll have you know that I didn't give them those crackers, so one of you all did, <laughs> right? But, and I don't bring cups in the church. I don't, even put a, I don't even put a bottle in the pulpit because I try to set a good example for the church. Are you following me? And a, and a pastor probably needs a drink sometimes when they're spitting for 30 minutes. Are you following me? But there's cups sitting back there almost every service that we have to throw away. And I'm not picking on this one thing here. I'm just saying when you come into the house of God in the Old Testament, if you didn't reverence the house of God, you would die. I've had people, there's a sign, even though there's a sign right outside the door, I've had people say, I'm going to put my cup up here, Pastor, okay, and make light of it. Let me tell you something. If that's you doing that, you're not disrespecting me. You're disrespecting the Holy Spirit. You're disrespecting God. This is his house. Are you following me? This is the holiest of holies. We should maybe take our shoes off when we walk into this place. I'm not picking at the drinks at the table, and I'm not picking at the clippings on the floor and the, and the cracker bags and those things, but the Spirit showed me something through seeing this. This is a picture of us. We drag our garbage into the church. We drag our junk into the church, and then we leave it. The pastor throws it away, or whoever's cleaning, Sister Pam throws it away sometimes. My wife throws it away sometimes. But then guess what? We go pick up a new one. And we bring it back in again to the church. And we set it down and we leave it. It's a picture of our spiritual life. It's a picture of our spiritual life. Are you following me? We bring in a bad habit. We bring in something that's plaguing us. We bring in our sickness and we leave it laying here. Not our sickness. I'm sorry, Brother Winston. It's not our sickness, but it's something the enemy's trying to plague us with. But we bring it in and we leave it here and, and, and God breaks the change. But then we go out and we get a new dose of it. We go out and we get some more of it. Then what happens? Those spirits get back on us again, and it's a revolving door over and over and over and over and over and over again. Can we see this picture here? I just brought out the cups and the crackers because we can see that with our physical eyes. We can see that. But spiritually, we're doing the same thing. It's a picture of us spiritually. So, so the junk represents our spiritual life. And it's time to lay down our garbage. There has to be a change there has to be a change in our life. Can somebody turn that TV on back there? I don't think she can reach it. There has to be a change in our life. God will deliver us of the junk. He'll break every chain, but we got to lay those things down yes. right here yes. today. Yes. I'm not talking about taking it back out with you and trying to get rid of it on your own. That's not what I'm talking about, church. I'm not talking about getting to it in a couple weeks. I'm not talking about getting to it when this pack of cigarettes runs out, right? Or my bottle at home is empty. We can talk about any familiar sin. They're all equal, right? Whether it's homosexuality, pornography, lies. A liar is just as guilty as sin as, as, as homosexual, right? Right? They're all sin. The Bible says not one sin will be allowed into heaven. So we got to lay it down right here on this day. On this day. Don't make excuses why you're going to do it later. It's today. In God's time, God gave me this message for you to hear. He set you in this seat for you to hear it today. Yeah. Not later this week, but right now. 
We need to lay it down right now. <clears throat> you don't have to clear it up before you can come. Not get a new one, right? When's the last time we've seen positive change in someone's life in this church? Think about it. There's a few cases, a few cases of people getting, getting some Jesus and, and some things happening in their life, but think about how widespread it was when we first opened the church. Think about that. Some of you have been here for a while. There was rows and rows and rows of people. It looked like the church was going to build up quickly. There was rows of people who came in. One person would come in, then their family would come in. Some of you are all still here. Next person would come in, their family would come in. Their lives changed dramatically. That's why their family followed to see what's going on with them. Now we're kind of dwindling back down a number a little bit. When's the last time you've seen real change? Widespread change over the whole church. Tell me about it. Whose fault is it? It's our fault. We're dabbling, church. We're dabbling. <clears throat> We've become laxed as a church, right? That's what I'm talking about. Maybe we're dabbling just being relaxed. Maybe we're dabbling in sin. If, it, if, this, if this whole thing doesn't fit you, just disregard the parts that don't fit you. Some of it will fit you. Put it on, wear it around for a while, okay? We become laxed. We, we become accepting, this is good enough right here. I've changed this far, and I've gotten this far, and I put down all the big sins, but what else God wants you to do? What about what else God wants you to do? What about the rest of it? God's still leading us. The Holy Ghost is still convicting. But what about the change? We just want to keep asking God for forgiveness of the things that we're doing wrong. But what about the change? We, 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 become, we become a society of thinking, well, it's just good enough. We're good enough right here. We're going to make heaven, right? It's not good enough just to try to make heaven to avoid hell. Let me tell you this. You need to try to make heaven because you want to be in heaven, because you're in a relationship with God. You're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, Amen. and you want to spend eternity with them, not just to avoid hell. I'm not sure if that's going, to be, that's going to be enough to get there. Are you following me? I'm not the judge of that, and thank God I'm not the judge of that. Um, I called Anthony this morning and asked if it was all right if I talked about him for a little bit this morning. Um, he went to camp. He got a spiritual jolt. He wanted to bury his video games. He had a few hundred dollars where the video games, the consoles and the games and some little characters that you plug in and they do something to do with the game. I don't quite understand. Um, anyways, his parents said, we, I don't think they wanted him to tear up their yard. And he, they said, why don't you sell it and get some money out of it? Because it was, the way I understand it, it was close to $1,000 worth of stuff. And he, he didn't want to sell it because he didn't want to plague somebody else with it. Right? This is a picture where we should be, right? Yeah. So he came out to our house wearing flip-flops. He said, can I bury it at your house, Pastor? I said, yeah. Anytime you want to bury an idol, you can come bury it at my house. I'm good with that. We'll put it in a hole and burn it, and then we'll bury it. How about that? So he came out, and you know how hard the ground's been. Poor boy brought flip-flops. And he was out there digging. So I helped him a little bit because I felt a little sorry for him, but we know that he, he learned a lesson about operating a shovel on that day. However, he, he put those, those things in there. He had a wheelbarrow full of games. He put those things. This should be a picture of what we should do. When God quickens us to get something out of our life, we should burn it, bury it, do whatever it takes to get, it, get separated from that thing separation from that thing, repent from that thing, to turn away from, right? God can't be a side note in our life, church. He's got to be our main priority, not a side note. We should, we should be accepting change and correction all the time. Better yet, we should be seeking out change, right? We should be seeking out correction. The Bible says God chastains those he loves, right? You all might get a little quiet today because it gets on your toes, but I don't care because he loves you and I love you. So i got to give you the truth. Even if your feelings are hurt, it doesn't make it any less true. This is where we're at. That's why God gave it to me. We're here to be preparing for heaven, right? That's what this is for. Correction hurts a little bit sometimes. 
That's why we spank our children. That little bit of pain that we inflict on them makes them turn away from that behavior that they're doing. Correction will hurt a little bit, but we're preparing to make our way to heaven. Are you following me? That's where we all want to be at, right? Not anybody here says, I really don't want to go to heaven, Pastor. We all want to go to heaven, right? We all want to live with our lost loved ones. I mean, our, our, lo- our loved ones that have passed on, not lost loved ones. We all want to live with our loved ones that, that have passed on who've, who've, who've walked this walk down before. We all want to meet Jesus. We all have precious questions for Paul, probably. Right? We all want to meet God. We want to see what the place looks like. We're preparing to go to that place. But we have to make changes today. Don't let another day pass by without making the changes that God's quickening to you right now. Most everybody in here while I've been talking has had something come to mind and said, oh, I've fallen short right there. The Spirit's quickening me right here. I've fallen short. Let's get that right today. Maybe for some people it's multiple changes. Maybe for some it's a hard change. Maybe for some it's a subtle change. Whatever the Spirit's quickening you to, do it today. I urge you to do it today. Don't let another day pass by. <clears throat> I don't care what you've done. I don't care what, who, who, who you've offended. God loves you anyway. And his word says he doesn't want one to perish. He doesn't even want one of us to perish. But we will if we don't make some change, if we don't repent from sin. God wants every single one of us to make it, but, it, but we decide. He's not going to force you to go to heaven. He gave you a free will. We have to decide. Every, every single one of us has to make a choice. James 1, 21 through 25 says this. <coughs> Therefore, lay aside <coughs> all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What's able to save your souls? The word, right? The word that's implanted into your heart is able to save your souls. Come on, sis. But be doers of the word. So if we're putting the word into us, we have to do the word, right? Which would require, require us to change from the way we used to be when we didn't do the word. We used to do what the flesh wanted to do, right? But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. If you're sitting here in these chairs and you're not doing the word, what's it say? You're deceived. You've been deceived. You're deceiving your own self. If you think you can come here and just sit in the chair and hearing the word and even reading your Bible is good enough to get to heaven. You've been deceived. It says you have to be a doer of the word. Come on, sis. 23 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and is not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Isn't that just, you understand that right there? The word forces us to face the truth. The word is the truth. The word will set you free. Right? So when you come face to face with the word, it reflects what kind of person you really were. You really are. And then we have to change to look like what we're supposed to look like in the word. Does that make sense? We have to do something, though, to change to look like what that is, right? We can't do that on our own. You can't clean yourself up. We can do superficial changes. We can try to change, but there's things we have to do. But God's the one who has to do the ultimate change. It has to be through him. Right? So this made me think about the parallel of the sower. Or it made me think about the sower, the, the parable of the sower. And, and I want to relate this to you today. In Matthew 13, 3 through 9 says this. <clears throat> then he spoke many things. He being Jesus right there. It was capital, right? Then Jesus spoke many things to them in parable, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. 
And he sowed some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them up. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, and they had no depth of earth. Think about this. This is a lot of Christians today. Immediately, they grab a hold of the word, and it springs up out of them, and then what happens next? Their heart's stony. Their heart's hard. It hasn't been softened. But, but when they, they do this on emotion a lot of times, right? They hear a sermon. The spirit quickens them. They get emotional and they hop into that thing. But, but when the sun was, was up, they were, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Church, we have to have root today. We've got to have root today. <clears throat> and some fell among the thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty and th- some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So think about this now. When the, when, the, when the word falls on, the word is the seed, right? When the word falls on good soul, when your heart's softened, when you're ready to repent, you're ready to change, you really want God to clean you up, you want change in your life. When that falls on you, we're going to see what? We'll see fruit come out of that, right? God multiplies that seed many times over. We'll see fruit come out of our lives. When our hearts are right, when our condition's right, right? But when we have a hardened heart, we're not ready to receive the word. We just hear it, right? And we don't really do it. It doesn't take root in our heart. It doesn't grow in our heart. So we don't see fruit. How much fruit's coming out of your life today, church? How much positive change has happened in our life in the last, say, six months? Think about it. Think about it. I'm not talking down to anybody today. He hit me with this first. But he caused me to realize what's going on in the church. And this is why we're in, a, we're in a bit of a slump right now, spiritually talking about. Lately, we've been in a, number, in, a, in a slump with the numbers a little bit, too, with people. But it's because of our spiritual condition, I believe. Right? God's not going to give us what we can't handle. And when we're in a slump, we can't handle it. We can't handle it anymore. So, so we must seek change. We must produce fruit as a body. We're all one here, right? We're all one body. We are the church. The church as a whole must produce fruit. By dabbling in sin, we allow spirits to come back in our life, though, right? The seven spirits we talked about earlier. We, then, then when they come into our life, what do we do with them? When we come in, we bring our junk into the church, right? We bring those spirits back into the church. Spirits can transfer. You all know that? Spirits transfer. They'll come. When you bring that spirit back into the church, they get, they get in the church, they mingle around, and they, and they transfer on other people. Are you following me? When you're dabbling in those things and you bring those spirits into your house, they get on your kids. They get on your spouse. They get on your co-workers. Here's a story where this happened at my house. Brenda, after church one day, she was feeling really discouraged and really in a bad mood. And, and when she started talking uh, uh, to me about it, I recognized that it was, a, it was a spirit plaguing her. Right? There's a lot of spirits. We have spirits plaguing us all the time that you have no idea about. I don't know all of them either, but, but you have no idea how many, how many things are affected by spiritual things. So, so it wasn't long, and it got on me. I started feeling discouraged, and like nothing was going right, and all these things. And, and, and spirits plague us all the time. Whether we realize it or not, we're in a spiritual battle. That's what this is all about. Bottom line, spiritual battle. We're right dead in the middle of it, and the battle is for your soul. It's for your eternity. The battle is real. If you're dabbling in things you know you're not supposed to be, if you're doing things you know you're not supposed to be doing, right? You're carrying that to other people. Think about it. We were at the play this weekend. We went to we went to 
Samson, seen Samson in the Sight and Sound Theater. Um, and Samson, when he, when he got around Delilah, guess what he started to do? He started to drink. He started to do things that he wouldn't normally do before. Those things, that those spirits that, that plagued them, the Philistines, got onto him. Right? <clears throat> he goes from the church to your family to your friends. Spirits transfer, and we can't afford to, spare, we can't afford to transfer spirits in the church. Let me just tell you this. We can't afford to, to, to transfer spirits anywhere in our house. Does this make sense to you? Am I saying this in a way that makes sense? We must discern spirits. We must recognize spirits. When they try to get on us, we need to recognize them and rebuke them. Just like I talked about earlier. Bam, just like that. You rebuke a foul spirit, he's got to go. He's got to go. We can't let them stay around and bog us down and, and steal our joy, right? Joy is a decision. It's a choice. Joy is a choice. You want to believe the situation or do you want to believe God and his answers? You choose. If, you, if you're going to believe the situation and what the foul spirits are doing and bringing around your life, you're not going to have joy. It's going to steal your joy. It's going to drag you down. It's going to drag your family down. It's going to drag the church down. It's going to drag your friends down, your co-workers. Or we can choose to believe in God's promises. We can rebuke those foul spirits when they come against us. We can, we can break out the word of God on those things, and it changes our thought from what he's trying to bring on you, the foul spirit's trying to bring on you, to what? To God's promise. Right? We memorize God's, God's word. So joy is a choice. And foul spirits steal our joy. They steal the joy of our, of our, of our families, our friends, and, and all that I talked to you about. Um, <clears throat> we are the light of the world. Right? The church. We're the church, right? We are the church and we're the, we're the light of the world. How can we be the light of the world when we're dabbling in sin? Ask yourself this day, church. Am I going too long for you? It's getting bored or your feelings hurt. Right where I need to be at. We are the light to the world. We are the light to our families. How can we be the light when we have when we're dabbling in sin? How can we be the light when we have no joy? Right? If we get our mind right, we shouldn't even struggle with this. And I'm as guilty as, as anybody in this. If we just get our mind right and realize that we have authority over all these things, realize. Discern these spirits when they come against us. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Our reasonable service is to present ourselves to God with this change in our life, right? To turn away from sin and turn toward God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How will you know what God's will is if you're not getting into his word? That's how we transform our mind, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we have to get into the word of God, listen to the word of God, hear the word of God, speak the word of God over our lives, and that's how our minds are changed, right? That's how our minds are transformed. So when we transform our mind to God's way of thinking, right? We'll repent. We'll mature. What we talked about last week, becoming more spiritually mature. We'll mature in those things. I want to encourage you today not to overthink this message. Please do not let this message uh, make you feel discouraged, make you feel like you can't come to church because you have some of these things wrong with you. <coughs> because when we have some things wrong with us, we need to run to church. Church is where we get our help at. Are you following me? So if certain aspects of this don't fit you, just set those aside. 
But the ones that do, put them on and wear them around. Please, put them on and wear them around today. If it fits, wear it around. Welcome change today. We're creatures of habit. We don't like change. Welcome change today. Welcome correction today. <clears throat> this message is not, made, is not intended to discourage, but to encourage. And, and a reminder that we should all be preparing for heaven, right? Heaven's our reward. It's our prize as a Christian. That's what we're looking for, right? A relationship with God so that we can get there and spend time with eternity with God, eternity with Jesus, eternity with my family who's going on before me, right? This time on earth is to prepare us and to train us for heaven. Think about how heaven is. It's to train us to have love and joy and and peace and not sin. But think about heaven for a second. There's 12 gates all made of one solid pearl. Think about the enormity of that. One, a gate made out of one solid pearl, but, but there's 12 of them there. And the street's made out of pure, transparent gold. It's pure gold, but you can see through it like it's glass. And that's so common that we're walking. It's common as asphalt is here. Think about that. Think about how beautiful the place is. It's more beautiful than we can imagine. I told Brenda when I was preparing for this, we spend thousands of dollars to go places on vacation that we think are beautiful, and they are beautiful, but they pale in comparison to heaven. And the way heaven looks is going to pale in comparison to when you get to meet Jesus, when you get to meet God, when you, when you get to spend eternity with them and family that's gone on. Streets of gold are not going to be that big of a deal even though it seems so elaborate to us now. But this, this life that we spend here on earth is to train us to have, have love and joy and peace and not sin so that we can make it there because we all sin sometimes and we all make mistakes, right? But it, what I'm talking about, church, is if we're living in full-blown rebellion. Full-blown rebellion. If you're living in full-blown rebellion, if you know that you're not supposed to be doing something, yet you continue to do it, you're not going to make heaven. That hurts, and it seems a little cold, but it's true. It's a fact, and I have to tell you that today. If you're in full-blown rebellion of the Spirit, if you're in full-blown rebellion of God, you will not make heaven. You will not make heaven your home. In fact, in Luke, I, I don't have this on the board today, but, but write it down and go and read it yourself. In Luke 13, 23 and 24, they said, well, many make it to heaven. They were asking, people in the church who was sitting under the teaching of Jesus Christ, we're talking about the church, said, said, well, many not make it. And Jesus said to them, many will not make it into heaven. Many will not. Many will stand there on that day and say, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? But they're not going to make it in because they didn't have that true relationship. They didn't have that change in their life. Are you following me? We're in training to get to heaven. When you're in training, you've got to train. You can't just sit there and watch other people train. Are you following me? Church, I urge you today, heed, I know you're getting quiet on me. You're probably tired of being here. But heed the warning today. Please, heed this warning today. God's given me a message for a reason. Heed the warning today. Make this change. If you need to repent of something, come to the altar. Please, don't wait. Don't walk out of here with it on you. Come to the altar today. If you need chains broken, line up here in the middle. We'll pray for you. We'll cast devils out if we need to, right? There's no shame in falling down. The shame is if you don't get back up. If you need to be healed today, come down here to the, come down to the middle. If you want to be baptized in the Spirit today, come to the middle. You're going to sit there in your seats and tell me nobody needs to repent of anything. Is that what you're saying? Thank you. 
Thank you for being bold enough to come forward. There's more. Come on down. Come on down. I'm not talking down to anybody today, but I'm just telling you. It hit the preacher right between the eyes. I know the congregation's got some in it too. Come to the altar. Brother Anthony, could you turn some music on, please?